Welcome to the Banking with Life Q&A series. This is where I answer your questions concerning the infinite banking concept. So let's get started. And this question, big print, and I appreciate it. Okay, and this question, next question, this question or next question, does it matter? This question. This question, always this question. All right, in this question, the listener asked, one question came up regarding PUAs midway through your book review in part five. So PUA is a paid up editions writer Every company typically calls it something different. You know, they have different terminology for their paid up editions writer, but it is a paid up editions writer. And then there's a five part book review on our channel. And I encourage every listener to go. It's in a playlist and listen to that five part book review of Nelson's first book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And it is not meant to be a replacement for a thorough multiple reading multiple readings thoroughly reading nelson's book becoming your own banker and it's only meant to aid you know while you're driving or what have you okay right around the 32 minute mark you discuss paying a loan the example amount that is over the necessary interest rate the insurance company is charging you to borrow can be used as a paid up additions or additional funds paying premium somehow how does this how does it apply as premium is it like putting extra money into a savings account or does that lower the amount of actual premium that is set on a monthly basis somehow and then why would you pay the extra if it's acting as premium you know i appreciate the question and and just the way the question is asked, um, it just testifies to the complete lack of clarity across social media concerning the infinite banking concept. Okay, so and and I didn't I didn't go back and listen to you know thirty two minute mark of the part five book review, but let me say this: that the premium. When you send money to the life insurance company, it is either premium or loan repayment. So if I pay a premium, it's a paid up additions rider. That is premium, right? It's not um, It's not buying cash. Uh, you know, I've heard and seen and he heard people share with me what they've heard and seen. Um, when you pay a premium to the life insurance company, a properly structured policy is going to have riders. Part of it is going to go, the premium is going to pay for a base or a whole life premium. Right? And then the riders, whatever they may be, but most importantly, when it comes to the infinite banking concept, is to have a paid up additions rider. It is still premium. right? It buys paid up death benefit. And I understand the death benefit is greatly discounted in the infinite banking world. I understand that, but you cannot discount the death benefit because of the characteristics of the death benefit and what it does for you and the policy over a lifetime. All right. And, and I may be, you know, chasing rabbits here. When you buy life insurance, dividend paying whole life insurance 
from a mutual company, preferably. The cash value is a net present value of the future death benefit. Your death benefit is going to grow. Your cash value is going to grow. And by design, the cash value of a whole life insurance policy must equal the death benefit or the face amount at 121 currently because the policies today are constructed over using a 120 year life expectancy. Now hear what I'm saying and think about this. Do you want a large death benefit at age 120 or a small one? Knowing that your cash value is going to equal the death benefit at age 120. It is important to have a death benefit. You cannot discount the death benefit. You can't discount the life insurance policy and compare it to cash. If you do, you need to correct your thinking. And if you're working with somebody, an advisor, or an agent who wants to completely discount the death benefit and go 100% cash on cash in year one, you, you, you should just move on. All right, and this question, how do you think the coronavirus and the lockdowns are going to affect the life insurance industry in the future? Is it going to be better, worse, or the same? What are your thoughts, predictions on this? And which type of insurance should I study? Right now, I'm studying life and health. Should I add anything? All right, that's a fair question um, and, a, and a good question. The, look, the coronavirus, I don't think is going to do anything as far as uh, claims ratio to the life insurance companies. You know, they, the, the mutual companies have been in business that, that practice that you can want to or, or can and want to practice the infinite banking concept with. These companies have been around well over 100 years. They've experienced the panic of 1907, 1910, World War One, the Spanish influenza, legitimate pandemic, 1918, 1919, the crash, the market correction, the panic of 1920, the market correction, the depression, 1929, 1932, the Bretton Woods Agreement, World War One. I, I jumped smooth over that, right? Um, World War Two, the Korean conflict, the Vietnam conflict, the oil crisis in the 70s the monetary crisis in 71 where nixon closed the gold window inflation this you know corrections in the 80s correction in the 90s these companies are not going to be negatively affected by this coronavirus as far as claims right um most all of these life insurance companies even even through the world wars world war one and world war two vietnam conflict korean conflict even if they had a um war waiver in their policy most all of these companies paid claims when the when the servicemen died in world war one and world war two and i'm just making a point that these companies are very strong they're very stable and this coronavirus is not going to negatively affect them when it comes to claims however you shut down the economy Right, and it will absolutely affect life insurance companies and every other company. Right now, what does that mean? I, how, I'm not going to predict the future. The future is completely unknown. I think that smaller companies can potentially be stressed. Larger companies, they live for days like this. They live for times like this. They are built for economies such as this. Right. Um, my personal opinion. I mean, I'm speaking for the companies that we work with. Um, 
So I don't think that um, it's going to be a great movement either way to the life insurance industry over the long period. I think that um, the the shutting down of the economy is going to have a greater effect than the virus itself. And um, as far as what um, insurance studies you should add, you say you're you're currently studying life and health. What should I add? I wouldn't add anything. I mean, I would start there, embrace that, master that, and then move on from there or increase. Don't quit learning. I'm not saying that, but starting out life and health. Um, you know what else is there? Property and casualty, automobile insurance, homeowners insurance, and all of that's legitimate. But I think your hands are full if you master life insurance and health insurance, personally. So good job. Keep going. Look, this is an industry that people should, you know, consider. It's been a while since I've done a and a I'm like causing the AV ninja to have to do some editing potentially. <laughs> and this question, could you do a podcast or YouTube video interviewing someone who has had those policies for more than 30 years? Nobody ever does this and I would love to get some real life feedback on how these policies work for a person over the long term. Ryan. Listen, yes, we have. Uh, we've had Paul Cleveland as a guest. Um, he's a PhD economist out of Birmingham Southern, and he was a client of Nelson Nash himself. And so I don't know if he's at the 30-year mark, but very close to it. And then I don't personally have any clients that have practiced this concept for 30 years. I discovered it 16 years ago. So I don't have any clients that, that go beyond 16 years. And and I think I said it earlier, but when you find somebody that has practiced this over a long period of time, and I believe it is important for them to share and it's important for them, for you to hear them uh, when you have the opportunity, but they're just confirming what Nelson said was possible. When you practice the infinite banking concept, you can become your own banker and it looks different for everybody. And just as important as listening to people that have um, have practiced this for 5, 10, 8, 12, 15 years or longer, just as important uh, uh, as, as important as they are, that, you know, I'm, I want to say that's very important or powerful or beneficial to listen to somebody who's practiced this over a long period of time. But just as important is to hear the people that are newly exposed to this idea and that have gone through all the mental gymnastics and have determined that this makes sense for them and they paid a premium and where they come up with the premium how did they justify that what are their intentions what are they going to do that's extremely important as well the new person and the older person the longtime practitioner so Short answer is I've, we're bringing them on, you know, eight, nine, ten-year clients. Uh, Paul Cleveland, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but well over 20 years. So uh, yours truly has been doing it for 16 years. In this question, I got turned down by a life insurance company for cannabis use. Is it because I used it or because I didn't disclose it? I was told I would have to wait a year before reapplying. 
I skimmed through a video and can I get a timestamp for the part about cannabis? Listen, quit skimming, number one, okay? When we put these videos out, yes, they're long form, I get it, but they're valuable. Don't just, you know, skim through it and find one question, you know, because these are not created, the podcast episodes are not generally created to specifically answer your questions. You know, this Q&A series, I mean, they're, they're general answers to sometimes specific questions. My encouragement is, Yes, these are long form on purpose, right? We're trying to bring, you know, legitimate content that you can sink your teeth into, okay? And so if it takes you an hour or two or three to listen to a podcast, that's okay. Timestamp where you stopped so you can pick that up from there when you continue to listen. So my encouragement is quit skimming, okay? Listen and listen to them again once or twice. Now I'm going to go back. You got turned down by a life insurance company. You mentioned the life insurance company's name, and I'm not going to mention that life insurance company's name. But let me tell you, the next question, or it was a statement, I got turned down for the use of cannabis. The question, is it because I used it or because I didn't disclose it? Listen, if you used it and didn't disclose it, if, if you don't answer forthrightly on a life insurance application, that becomes a moral hazard issue for the life insurer. So if you weren't honest on this question, what other questions are you not going to be honest on? Okay, so you got turned down because you didn't disclose it. In my, I would assume, I'm, per, I'm, I'm assuming, right, I'm pretty confident that you got turned down because you didn't disclose it, but yet it was discovered. All right. And the mere fact that they're going to even allow you to come back and reapply in a year is a testament to that life insurance company. Most of them will say, no, thank you. If you're going to be less than honest with us, we're not interested at all. And I agree with that. Okay. So, um, and we did talk about cannabis and companies, some companies view cannabis as tobacco. They've got to rate it somehow. They've got to properly price life insurance with the use of cannabis. And there's not a lot of data in the big wide world, whether cannabis use extends or shortens one's life expectancy. So and I've said it before. Look, the life insurance company has a very short window, a week or two to underwrite a policy that's going to be in force a long time. They have a very short window to get it right. So if you're less than honest, why would they want to issue policies? Why would they? You know, I wouldn't. So I would. Uh, and I'm not a gambling man. OK, but I would venture to guess and dang near bet that they postponed you. That's what that is when you apply and they didn't issue, but they said you can come back in a year. They postponed you because you were less than honest on the application. Now, that because that very same company issues cannabis users standard and tobacco. I mean, it could be either way. It depends on the use and the so that very company that you mentioned will underwrite cannabis use all day long, every day, and most of them will. That was pretty a, kind of a long answer to a short question. So quit skimming the videos. Take a deep dive. If you're going to apply for life insurance, be forthright and honest on the application. Okay. And most companies will underwrite cannabis users. They don't. Anyway, so I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. All right. This question. The question is not completely clear, but I, I and I appreciate the questions. I, I think I understand what the uh, the listener is asking. 
on the disability rider, I understand that if after 90 days I cannot live, then before I can use the money. But regarding paying the premium, you know, is there a grace period? If so, how long is a grace period and what is a lien? That's about three questions in there, right? So specifically about a disability rider, you know, every company uh, has different disability riders and, and they have different language. You need to understand what that, what causes, what triggers a disability. You know, is a disability income rider, disability income policy is a disability income policy, but on a life insurance policy, it's typically maybe a wave or a premium if you become disabled. And so this is a very a general answer, okay, that the riders on life insurance policies, that language and the triggers that 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 cause the the rider to come into effect that language in the policies are different from different companies right and so and and what i mean by that you may have a waiver of premium if i become disabled then the the policy will pay its own premium or the waiver the company will pay that premium right so it's as if a premium is being paid actually so what constitutes disability you know, can I perform any occupation or my own occupation? How long do I have to be disabled before that benefit is triggered? And then is that benefit integrated with like Social Security or is it not? So though, a very good question. And you, the owner, the, the consumer, you need to understand that if you want that rider, you need to understand the benefits of that rider and the triggers of that rider. So every company is a little bit different on what they pay. If they pay the base only premium or the PUA premium or they cover your own occupation or any occupation. So the uh, contract Right, which life insurance is a contract dictates the thresholds and the benefit. So, and you need to understand that. And an illustration is not a contract. Okay. All right. Um, regarding the premium, is there a grace period? Yes, there is a grace period. <clears throat> and, and insurance companies are regulated by the state. So I think every state requires a 30 day grace period. Um, some require a 60 day grace period. Most companies are very generous and, they give the grace period. Some give 45. So a lot of companies go above and beyond what the what is required by the states. And then here today, this is, uh, and of course we're in Texas, right? And this is June 27th of 2020. And so the pandemic is expanding um, across the country. But because of COVID-19, a lot of companies, all of the companies has been required by all the state, the National Association of Insurance, uh, commissioners and, and then the state regulators have required insurance companies to extend the grace period. So if you have a policy, you should find out what that is. Um, and if you need that benefit to take advantage of it, take advantage of that benefit. If you have the cash flow to pay a premium, don't be afraid to pay a premium. Okay, perfect. Next question. Do you have other suggestions for starting IBC other than the HELOC strategy? Simple, simply save the money. Yes, you've never heard me and I do not encourage starting the infinite banking concept with a HELOC. Can you do that? Yes, you can do whatever it is you want to do. Should you start there? No, I don't believe you should. Um, simply starting the infinite banking concept comes from saving money. Yes, that's the best way to buy life insurance is from current 
cash flows, current income, setting aside a reserve, saving, quote unquote. That's how you start. Boring, slow as molasses. I get it. I understand. Worth it? Absolutely. You can't save enough money. I can't save enough money. You don't have access to too much money and neither do I. All right, the more money that you have access to that you own and control, the better off you'll be. Tell me where saving money is bad. Besides, I get it, the Federal Reserve is printing money out of thin air, crushing the future, purchasing power of the dollar. I understand that, all right? But life insurance structured this away is the best hedge against inflation on a cash flow that I know of. So, yes, from savings, current cash flows. All right, and this question, it's kind of a statement. <clears throat> I love what you guys are preaching. Thank you. Um, can you make a podcast about clients' success stories? Interview clients on how they use their quote-unquote policies. I would love to see how seasoned bank owners use their policies. Thanks. And banks are always in quotations. These are life insurance policies. When I refer to bank or banking, I'm referring exactly to the definition of bank and banking, which is a movement of money. Okay. Um, so no question. We're using life insurance. We're buying life insurance. We're putting high premium to create high cash value in a dividend-paying life insurance policy issued by a mutual company. And then we're accessing that capital by contract whenever there's an opportunity or things that we need to finance. Okay. Um, yes, I have a lot of clients on, and I get this question quite often, and and, and even had a question previously that somebody would ask, or somebody had asked, can you put a 30-year client on? No, I can't. I've, I've been in the life insurance, I've been a life insurance agent for, you know, 30 years, but I didn't discover the infinite banking concept until I met Nelson Nash about 16 years ago. So I don't have any clients that have practiced banking in 30 years, or 30 years. Now, I do have a lot of clients that are 15 and 16-year clients, um, and, you know, not everybody wants to come on and open themselves up to, you know, criticism or critiques and, and, and even share their personal um, experience. So, you know, the ones that do, thank you very much. And even the ones that decline, uh, I completely respect that. So to answer your question, um, we have guest episodes and and we have uh, shared clients have come on and shared their experience that are. 12, 13, 9, 8 years of experience. So the short answer is yes, we, we can do that. And we have done that. And just as important, okay, in my opinion, just as important as a longtime practitioner of the infinite banking concept as an individual and as an agent and an advisor, um, just as important as hearing people they're just confirming, you know, if they share their experience, they're just confirming what Nelson said was possible. Nelson started buying life insurance when he was 14 years of age. He became a licensed life insurance agent in 1964. He discovered the infinite banking concept, what he what could be done with life insurance in 1980. And here he printed the book in 2000. And here we are in 2020. So, to directly answer your question, we're bringing guests on 
and we're very appreciative. They don't have to. They're coming on because they want to share their experience. And all, all, all they're doing is confirming what Nelson discovered could be done. So, and I'm saying that just as important as listening to somebody who's practiced for 10 or 15 years is listening to somebody that has just discovered the concept, right? The mental gymnastics that you have to go through and, and all the unlearning that you have to experience to be able to confidently and comfortably pay a life insurance premium, knowing that the agent is going to earn a commission, knowing that you're going to have a loss of liquidity in the first several years. And, and, and once you get past that, it's like, oh, my God, this is the infinite banking concept, right? Who's controlling your banking function? All right, go talk to somebody who has $30 million in assets collateralizing a $15 million liability. Tell me who's controlling that. And now I'm just, that's a big number. Right? Well, we'll move the decimal points either way. $300 million, right down to, you know, $3 million or $300,000 or $30,000. You, you see what I'm saying? It's who's controlling the banking function. We've got to get past this idea of internal rates of return on a life insurance policy, or I'm afraid to pay a premium. I'm afraid that you, the agent advisor, is going to make money. Listen, you're, you're a capitalist. If you even have money and want to pay a life insurance premium, you're a capitalist. Capitalism is good. Capitalism is the solution to the economic failure around the world. Thank you for listening. If you have a question that you would like answered, email us at james at bankingwithlife.com. We have answered an awful lot of questions in a Q&A series. We have several episodes recorded on a playlist. I'll put a link below in the description. And it would you know, probably benefit you to spend some time going through those questions. It may answer a lot of your questions and it may cause new questions. So thanks again for listening. Have a great day.